Well, uh, welcome again. We started a, a new series last week called Mosaic Thinking, Rethinking Community. And uh, we have just done this in response to uh, a number of things. We have recognized that in our society today there is, as we called it last week, a, a lack of social cohesion. There is a felt need for community. But we also felt that we needed to uh, ourselves think through what it means to be the body of Christ. We needed to re-engage with the scriptures and ask God what it was he was trying to build in the 21st century. Uh, one of the things that has sort of captivated our hearts in this is that, that we recognize that what God is trying to do in his church is, is really model the future, model the future kingdom. So we need to, to work quite hard on that. And so we have decided that we're going to spend the next seven or eight weeks running up to Easter even thinking about and praying about and, and doing community so that we can take that level of community which we all appreciate and enjoy, and, and enjoy here to a new level. So without further ado, let me pray and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you for your presence here, for all that you've done already. But now, Father, I pray that by your Spirit you would move upon those words that you've laid upon my heart. Help me to speak clearly and directly. And also, Lord, I pray that uh, however, uh, however I communicate, be it entertainingly or engagingly or whatever, please, dear God, let the words I speak be effective. May they find their place in our hearts and minds and may they bear fruit. May your word bear fruit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week we looked at uh, Colossians 3, and in fact we're going to spend quite a bit of time in Colossians over the next few weeks. We're going to be weaving in and out of it. And today I actually uh, want to focus on just one verse. It follows on from what we were teaching on last week, where if you remember, if you were here, if you weren't here and want to catch up, you can listen to it on the podcast. Last week we were looking at Colossians 3, 12 to 14, and I, I said how we should bear with one another forgive one another and love one another. There's, there's insights about that on the podcast. But verse 15 has this little phrase. It's easy to miss it because there's so much good stuff in this passage. But let's, we're just going to zero in on this this week. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. We are called to be peacemakers. And I want to pause and think about this, that, that allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts, being peaceable with one another, being peacemakers. Uh, the, these are foundational to who we are. And it's a peace that, as Jesus put it, passes all understanding. It's not dependent upon circumstances or, or, or whether the radio's on too loud or the kids are having a fight upstairs. Or, or it, It's a peace that transcends all of that. It, there's something, to be honest, supernatural about it. And it's a peace that walks and goes with us. It's, it's the mark of the kingdom on an individual and in a community a community of, of Christians. So we're going to look at that and tease that out a little bit more. And to do that, 
Uh, I'm going to go into 1 Peter chapter 3, and we found that, interestingly enough, although they're very different genres, Colossians is a wonderful theological statement about Christ, his glory, the victory of Christ, the implications of that for the community. But, but in 1 Peter, we actually have a very early piece of Christian writing, and, and it's not so much a theological treatise as actually a letter. You know, it's kind of a, it, it comes out in a bit of a tumble. There is form to it, there is shape to it, but it's, it comes out in a bit of a tumble. It's a bit like a, you know, rattling off an important email at the end of the day. You just got to get this one out before you can go home. It's da 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 da. There's, there's a lot of important things there, but sometimes the structure is a little bit, you know, topsy-turvy, but it, it, it has that kind of energy and excitement of real, a real letter, not a prepared piece. It's, it's, it's a pastor, this pastor being Peter in this case, engaging with the early church very early. So we're going to look at this because he's talking about the peace we have or the peace we make in Christ. So let's just look at this passage. Thank you, Matt. Finally, all of you, Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with, ins- with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I'll tell you what, Matt, just take it back to the previous screen. Thank you. Bless you. This, this passage in particular is interesting because he seems to draw on two references. It's almost like shorthand. It's, you know, if you go out to Starbucks with a friend of yours and you're, you know, you're you know, catching up, and you may say to your friend, oh, yeah, well, I had this situation. I tell you what, it was a bit like so-and-so and so-and-so. You know that time when we were in Blackpool and that thing happened? Yeah, sure. You know, there's a common kind of uh, understanding, a common experience that you draw on. And actually, Peter in this is in one sense using a little bit of shorthand because scholars and Bible uh, and theologians have observed that there is something about this particular passage that we're looking at that has the feel of what we call a catechism. He's drawing on something that many people believe was there already. A catechism is, is a bit of doctrinal teaching that uh, everyone knows, and he's kind of interacting with it. It's a bit like, I, I guess, say the Lord's Prayer. You know, most people, if I do a funeral and it's predominantly non-Christian people, I'm pretty, even today, I'm pretty sure that if I say, let's pray the Lord's Prayer, that there will be a sort of a bit of a mumble going on around. Most people have heard it or know it or know part of it at any rate. So this has a bit of a, the feel of of, of a catechism, something that the early church used to teach about the inner life. And that's an important thing to understand about this. You know, Jesus said, when we love one another, the world will know that we are his disciples. But there's something about this where Peter really isn't talking about the way we present ourselves out there. He's really talking about the quality of life that we have among us. This is a little bit of insider teaching. This is how we build community. And of course, if we get this right and if it becomes authentic, 
Then, suddenly, we've got something to show the world. So, so it has that feel of in-house teaching. The other thing that he draws on, I said there were two things he draws on, is that he draws on uh, Psalm 34, one of my favorite psalms as it happens. And he appeals to, again, common knowledge, particularly, of course, for his Jewish hearers, although this isn't necessarily for, for the Jewish members of the church. But Peter, as you know, was the, was the apostle to the Jews, and Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So you know, most of his audience will have at least a, 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 a Jewish background. So he draws on that as well, and, and reminds them of things that they learned at their mother's or grandmother's knee, at the rabbi's knee, down the road at the local synagogue, teaching about the quality of life, the inner life of the community of God. So that's all by way of a bit of background. But let's just now un, uh, unpack, I don't want to use that word, this is I should stop using, but let's unpack a little bit of it. Live in harmony with one another, it begins by saying. Live in harmony with one another. Now, actually, this is the NIV translation. If you've got a good, it's an old NIV translation. If you've got one of the modern NIVs, or the, the TNIV, as it used to be called until fairly recently, you will have something that says, live in unity, be, be united in mind, be united in one spirit. There's a variety of versions, but the sense is, 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 is almost thinking the same thing. You know, I, I honor that, I respect that, but I have deliberately chosen this expression in the older NIV version, live in harmony with one another, because actually I don't think Peter is advocating learning stuff by rote and all thinking the same thing at the same time. But any of you who know anything about singing or, or just appreciate music, you may not be a musician of any type, but you will know that in a harmony, what happens is the, the various members who are making the music will sing different melodies, sometimes very different melodies. But something extraordinary happens when everyone sings their part, what comes out is something unique and beautiful. Something that one voice could not make happen. But when, when an ensemble, an orchestra, a barbershop quartet, for heaven's sake, when, when the, the folk singer with his finger in his ear singing with a couple of mates down at the pub, a cappello, when they're getting it right, when they're getting the harmonies right, these different melodies melding together, something wonderful happens. It has the potential quite frankly, to send shivers down your spine. So it is with Christian community. If we learn to live in harmony with one another, we may be called to different functions. We may agree on some issues and not other issues. I hope that we all agree on the sonship of Jesus, that's crucial. I hope we all agree on the fact that he died for the sins of the world. I hope that we all agree that he rose from the dead and he's coming again. These things are absolutely critical. But actually beyond that, there may be differences of opinion or emphasis or all the rest of it. So be it. But we learn to sing in a way that harmonizes with one another. 
and it adds value to the whole experience. Unity without uniformity. Unity without uniformity. The second thing that I want to draw your attention to is he says, if we can go back to that um, one, Peter, thank you very much, Matt, I'm mucking you about, bless your heart. Be sympathetic, be sympathetic. Now when we think of being sympathetic, in our culture, we tend to think of, I don't know, I tend to think of um, Hallmark cards going in, choosing a card with, it says, with sympathy. A card that you send to a friend who uh, you know has, has lost someone dear to them. It's a kind of a, an acknowledgement that uh, they, you know, they've lost something and, and you're, you're marking that moment with sympathy. That's not what we're talking about here. You know, to be sympathetic in biblical terms, in this context of building community, is it really draws on the root words of the word sympathy. It means to suffer with, to suffer with, to make someone suffering your suffering. And of course, this is exactly what Jesus did. We're modeling ourselves on Jesus himself. Jesus suffered for us on our behalf and instead of us. He made our suffering, our abandonment, our separation from God because of our sin, he made that his abandonment, his suffering, his separation. This is turbocharged sympathy. This is so much more than with sympathy. It is suffering with. Peter says we must learn to carry one another's burdens. We must learn to make their battles our battles. We build authentic community in that way. You know, it's difficult for us to, to really grasp how radical this early church teaching on community was. It was so counterculture. You know, the Greco-Roman emperor of that time was all about, you know, it was, it was all about evolution in hyperdrive. It was all about the, the, the strongest survive and the rest can go to the, the lions. The rest can go to the dogs. The rest can go to the wall. It was all about one's honor and one's glory and one's reputation. So this kind of teaching was despised in the early church because it was so counterculture. What, you're kidding me? Why should I bother about the beggar at my door? Serves him right, and he better stay out of my way when I leave my house, or he'll get a boot to add to his pains. Dog eats dog, survival of the fittest. Do you know, in the 80s, certainly the 90s, and to some degree in the 20s, 20th century, we've begun to rediscover some of those attitudes. It seems as if Christ's teaching on building community, authentic Christian community, may be coming back into its own again. That's certainly my conviction, my belief. And certainly we're perceiving in our society a felt need for authentic community. People feel isolated, Fragmented, certainly dysfunctional, alone in their beautiful houses or not so beautiful houses, 
living in flats in high-rise, terrorized by people living on the landing who make a lot of noise. It is so easy to fall out. This teaching is radical, and we begin by teaching it to the church. We begin to live it in the church, and we begin, as I said, to model the future kingdom. The second thing, love one another. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that at the moment because we're going to be spending more time on that, of course. It's core and it's central. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. We will come back to that on another occasion, but not today. Compassionate. Be compassionate. Be compassionate. If, if being sympathetic was bearing one another's burdens, the, the compassion thing is about empathizing. It's sitting alongside and maybe not having anything to say. Sometimes the most loving, the most compassionate thing we can do is just listen. Is just listen. I find, and I'm just speaking for myself, and you know, uh, it, it may not relate to you, but I have a hunch it might. I find I have to be careful that I don't harden my heart, that I don't switch off the, the compassion switch. I, I know I do it from time to time in life out there, and bearing in mind this teaching is for, it's in-house teaching with implications for out there, but this is Peter getting you know, right down in their face. Look, I wanna just talk to you about this you know, body of Christ thing, guys. We gotta really work a little harder. I mean, I've observed myself, for example, Friday's my day off, and so you know, I usually have various projects and things, I'm hobbies and things I'm involved in, interests, uh, but I'll usually come and make a sandwich and sit down with the news, and, and very often after that, I'll just click onto a bit of daytime television. The thing I'm looking out for are programs like this one called How It's Made. And these are very nerdy programs buried deep in, in Sky TV about, for example, and I kid you not, this, was, this week there was a program on, half an hour program on how they make the decals, you know, the transfer things, that go on the side of caravans. It was awesome. <laughs> half an hour on that. I just love this crazy nerdy irrelevance. I'm sorry, but that's the way I am. One of the features of watching daytime television, and probably if you've been off sick and have been flicking around the channels looking for something to, to sort of absorb your, your mind, you will notice that there's a particular kind of advertising that happens during daytime television. You know, there's, you know, loan things, there's, you know, sell your mobile phone, get some money, there's sell your jewelry, get some money, there's in debt, contact these people. You know, if you've been missold PPIs, you know, get on, we contact us. The other kind of thing, though, is there's always a lot of charitable appeals. And I find myself struggling because you've only just got to get some poor little child, particularly, it's often animals, but some poor little child with a big belly, a big head, and flies flying, and I cannot stand it. I have to switch the channel. I have to switch off my compassion button. And I kid you not, you know, if you, if you, if you were to see our, our, our flipping bank statement, it's full of, you know, two pounds a month here and two pounds a month there and two pounds, because I've, I've you know, both listen, I've fallen sucker to these things. I, I say I'm being very rude here. I mean, I know you don't have that trouble with your compassion switch, but I see that in myself. In order to get through the day, I have to switch off my compassion switch. What, what Peter is saying here, it must not be like that within the body. 
Whatever happens out there, and we'll all do that as best we can. As far as you are concerned, as far as we are concerned, as we rethink community, we must not switch off the compassion button. Yeah, bear one another's burdens, but weep with those that weep and laugh with those who laugh. It's a crucial part of rebuilding, rethinking community. Then it goes on, and be humble. And be humble. Again, Peter has a particular take and a particular insight on this. It's not about kind of being obsequious. It's not about kind of, you know, cringing and, 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 and like, like Uriah Heep in whatever that Dickens story was, this kind of obsequious, super humble person. And all it was actually doing was hiding up a raging pride and resentment. It's not about, you know, letting people go in front of you or push in front of you or, or, you know, or whatever. It's not that kind of stuff. What Peter is referring to here is be kind to one another. Let's summarize it with that word. And the motivation should be that you remember what, and acknowledge what you're like. The humility is born out of a sense of your need. That you need to walk humbly with your God because you're prone to sin, prone to anger, prone to judgmentalness and criticism, prone to, prone to pushing in and budget, you know, prone to destroying and undermining community, prone to doing things that don't help prone to doing things that become part of the problem and not part of the solution. And as such, living our life as we do under the light of Almighty God, living in the light of Christ, if you like, we need to walk with humility because we, are, we stand in the need of all of these things from others. I stand in the need of sympathy from you, of love from you, of compassion from you. I need this because of what I am like. That's biblical humility, a recognition that we're all in need of the grace and mercy of God. So live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love one another, compassionate and humble. And finally, there's what I call the interpretive key. Very often when you read a passage, if you look hard enough, if you dig hard enough, you will find something that actually goes beyond, it transcends the, the passage that you're actually looking. It is, a key, it is a highway, a freeway, a motorway, an expressway to the heart of God on this issue. And it will energize and, and, and empower you. And 1 Peter 3, 15, says this, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. It's tucked there in the middle, and as you rush on, because there's all these kind of practical things that Peter's talking about, wanting to get out as he dashes off this email just before the post goes or whatever. Right? You know where I'm coming from. It slips in there, but it's actually an interpretive key. You see, the motivation in all of this is actually worship. 
It's actually not a response to one another so much as a response to God himself in Christ. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Colossians is great like that because as I said earlier on, it, it, it paints this picture of the majesty, the victory of Christ. We catch a glimpse of not Christ the carpenter, but Christ the Lord. We begin to wonder at who this person is who has come into our lives, who's made himself known to us, who has revealed himself to us, and who has laid down his life for us. We recognize that he's God's gift to us. And this humble one, this humble servant king, is none other than Lord himself, the Lord of heaven and earth. And if the servant has been made the Lord, we would do well to be like him, to be a servant. So the motivation here is not so much be good, play nicely. The motivation is, is actually born out of the invitation that God the Father through his Holy Spirit makes to us in Christ. He invites every single one of us to draw close as a son or a daughter. He invites each and every one of us into a personal, living, loving relationship with him through Christ. And as we are caught up in that, lost in wonder, love, and praise, we realize, we realize that he would have us be like him that he would have us follow in his footsteps, and that Father would work the image of Jesus, the, the image of Christ in us. And that's the motivation. Not be nice, play nicely. It's being like Christ, being his body here on earth. We're gonna wind up now. Let's, let's have the worship team back up. Thank you, guys. But as we do, let's just pray together now. Let's pray that, that God does something new here. All through last year, it seemed as if the Lord was saying to us, particularly Phyllis and myself, I am doing a new thing. Let's not just, just do church. Let's not just show up on a Sunday, pay our tithes, say hi to our friends and then go home having clocked in and clocked out. Let's build authentic community. And it's reciprocal, it's not just the nice guys working harder. Everyone gets to play. Everyone, whatever your circumstances, we all get to build this. Let's just pray, would you, would you mind standing? Thank you. So Father, we wanna say thank you to you because you call us into relationship with you, but more than that, you call us to be like you. And we pray, Lord God, that what is built here will be authentic, Christ-centered community, a foretaste of that which is to come. And everyone said, Amen. God of the heavens King of matchless worth Lord of all nations 
judge of the year By mercy we come Out of love we cry God of all glory Savior of the world Holy One Eternal Let your praise fill the earth We raise holy hands We extol the King of Lifting up one voice Resounding out one cry Oh, let it ring, let it rise Sing God of all glory Savior of the world Holy One Bless you, Lord God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing among us. Now may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bring us his peace. And everyone said, Amen. If you'd like more prayer, please go to my right, your left. We'll pray for you. If Christ has not been the center of your life, if that's something you want to put right today, if you want to become a Christian, please go to my right, your left. Other than that, thank you for coming. God bless you. Just to say, if you're staying for the newcomer lunch, that'll be the conference, in the center, conference center on the ground floor at 1.15. So we'll see you there. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you.